0: Operator Syndrome. Uh, we are back. We are continuing to uh, learn more about Steve's perspective as uh, as a chaplain during the Extortion 17 incident and uh, subsequent uh, notifications and memorials that happened to honor those that perished. Um, when we left off, we were talking, you were describing, um, um, I think one of the things that stuck out to me was just the, the attention to detail that was paid um, right. in in doing the notifications and, and synchronizing the movements um, just a general question um, and I, and from what I remember, I don't know that you did notifications uh, at at any of your other roles as a chaplain, but no. does you do you think that reflects a the general standard across the military or do you think that that's
1: more a reflection of the command and how they approach things yeah that's a hard one for me to really weigh in on because i i don't, don't have, have experience the, yeah, across yeah the broad i yeah um i do i can say for the command they're just thinkers mm-hmm. they think of everything um mm-hmm. it's like planning on a mission you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: not unlike I'm I'm sure what you're used to you, what if everything, you uh-huh. know, to the nth degree to like, okay, we're ready for anything to go wrong and everything that we can possibly have any control over. And I think that mindset just carries over. Um, it may be the case other places, but boy, you're talking about, there, there's some sharp cookies, man. I mean, at that, at that command, you know, you're not, you don't get there being a dummy and and being a goofball it, it's like a lot of really really intense thinking on every level and I think that just I think that really does translate on every level and mm-hmm. something so you, like that mm-hmm.
0: I, I can't remember if you talked about did the chaplains I'm assuming the chaplain school mm. had
1: some curriculum around
0: notification of the process okay
1: yeah yeah they did I, I can't get recall the specifics but yeah they yeah. They talked about being on Keiko teams and doing military funerals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a whole curriculum section on that. Um, <laughs> every everything from doing a burial at sea. Mm. I mean, that's they do it. They do it. Um, I just, <laughs> I don't know, all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, not crazy, maybe, but just things you would never think of. Like, well, if you're going to spread ashes at sea, make sure the CO turns it upwind so the ashes don't blow back on everybody mm. on fantail right were you doing the sermon like oh wow yeah that that's that's something you want to think about um mm-hmm. so yeah they, they they went in they they went in to all of that pretty much and how to be a professional did you
0: uh you know going back to now you're in the moment any of that really come up uh, you know yeah i, I suspect not no, um,
1: no way. I was a deer in the headlights, like all of us were. Um, yeah, it was it was just a dark time. I mean, just there's no there's no light in a situation like that. And she, um, I mean, the most haunting thing to me was it, when the notification was made. She just was like, "What are you doing here? What are you guys doing here?" Because she recognized two of the guys. They were. They were um, uh, troop members. Um, and she's just like, and she kept asking, what are you doing here? Well, it's just the body kicking in to, I don't know what mode, but she knew. she, You know, in some ways, like <laughs> dress blues are the worst possible uniform to wear at 0530 and knock on a door with, you know, five of us standing there. Mm-hmm. Uh, shoulder to shoulder it's like come on mm-hmm. there's no what we're we're there to announce you got a great medal mm-hmm. no right it's only one scenario and just got awful but yeah i guess i guess what hit me most of all was we went into the house and like i said she she is a person of strong faith as was her husband and you know i didn't know her kid. her children were young um very young, I mean, you know, toddlers to up to about, I think, she, yeah, they were just young. She had three children, mm-hmm. and she was six months pregnant with her fourth. And uh, the the my hard moment came when when she said, "Okay," <clears throat> I mean, just sobbing uncontrollably. Obviously, we're just nobody saying anything. It just we're just there to hold her hand and just kind of, I don't know, be there. And then, then there was a moment when she kind of composed herself a bit, and she said, um, I, "I want, I appreciate you all, you guys, but can you all, can you all just step out on the, on the, on the in, on the front porch for a bit? I, I want to talk to the chaplain, just to, just the chaplain." And I was like, "Oh, great." And I'm trying. we're all trying to hold it together because it's really hard not to just bust loose. Yeah. It's really hard. I mean, you see that kind of grief going on and not to mention it's personal. Mm-hmm. It is really hard. Um, so I'm just like, come on, man, don't lose it. Don't lose it. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, she just, she looked at me and she said, can you just pray for me? And then I just want to ask you a few questions. And, It's like, of course, you know, hold her hand and say a prayer. And yeah, the, the big gut punch came to me when she said, so my kids are still asleep. What do I tell them? Mm. What do I tell them? And they're young children, right? I was like, well, they didn't teach me that at seminary or chaplain basic training. And let me pull this one out of my back pocket. Mm -hmm. There's nothing really to say, um, I, I said some words that I don't know where they came from, <laughs> not from my own doing, but I said, well, you know, something like he lives, he lives on and, and, and tell them that, you know, he's in a, he's a, they will, you know, he's there. He, you will see him again, every comforting word I could possibly pull. And, um, you know, and that's what she thanked me for later, like a year later. She's, she said, I told him that. And uh, you know, I, I was just fumbling. That is the hard part, you know, because mm-hmm. you're just fumbling for words at that point. And all you want to do is provide comfort and there's not a heck of a lot to go around, you know? So mm-hmm. anyway, we got through it. Um, we got through that episode. Uh, the Back at the command, it was going bonkers. I mean, it was just like surreal there, were, but all it, this is the good side of the story. I mean, you know, if, if there is a good, I mean, there's no good side to the, all all of what happened. But there, to see the resources that came to bear was astonishing. Like, there were people volunteering food twenty four seven. There was an entire talk set up, uh, tactical operations center, for the Keiko teams. I mean, it was a huge room. It was like the size of a basketball court size with all of these different stations, one station for every Keiko team, people working on travel, people working on orders, people working on funeral arrangements. Uh, I mean, on and on and on. They had an enormous memorial service at a civic center. It was like a Coliseum in Virginia Beach. An entire aircraft carrier parked and they had them in dress whites all along the street for like a mile square just pointing people in the right direction like i have never seen anything like this in my life oh um,
0: you mean you mean the, cr- the the crew
1: of an aircraft it, carrier were pulled in to help out oh the, like a huge section of the crew of an aircraft carrier were on the streets like standing at parade rest yeah. like guiding people and helping people um where i don't know where that came from but um, a huge um video presentation. I mean, thousands and thousands of people there in 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 Virginia Beach, and that was just a general memorial. That wasn't. So there were lots of other funeral services conducted. There was a there was a big burial at Arlington with like, God, you can go there. I, when I when I was last in DC, I went with Kevin and. We took a shot, a photo of one of them, Thomas Ratzliff, Um, because they're all buried together. There's like maybe 10 of them or 11. There was one casket where it was like unknown remains. I mean, that, that's how bad it was. Like mm-hmm. they couldn't even identify. Uh, so um, there there was an Arlington component. And then there were many families that just wanted their, their son back in their hometown to be buried. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you know that that was a whole nother chapter I flew from Arkansas to Montana to a, a, uh, Maui Hawaii to do funerals uh like uh, I mean it was that's where the intensity hit like we were we were working oh I mean not you can sleep when you could it, it was just catching planes flying and and then they had a change of command ceremony at Devgirt. the commanding officer was outgoing and the command chaplain had to be in our at dover delaware to receive some of the body it was like there's so much there's so much that goes on in a situation like this like all these caskets were coming in so the command chaplain goes to dover delaware to receive the caskets and that's where uh, obama was at that um and then i was asked to give the invocation benediction for her at the change of command ceremony back at Dev group. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a new new CEO was coming on board, and um, you know, had that to contend with, um, flying, flying, all you know, anywhere anybody needed us, we 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 were just tw- we were just ready to roll. Um, I will say this, you know, and I I gave a plug for the Navy Seal Foundation and for the other worthy foundations you mentioned on the Army side. For, for, for listeners out there, if if you've got some means or you want to give, let me just tell you, it really does help. Here's how it helps in, well, it helps in many ways, but here's how it helps in a situation like we were in with extortion one seven. So when, when a soldier gets killed, right, his paycheck stops, that's it. His family goes on, right? They've got bills to pay. They've got rent Mm -hmm. to pay. The paycheck stops at the moment he's killed in action. Now, you chalk it up to bureaucratic craziness, but there is a gap there where they don't have any money coming in. And um, it takes a while for the insurance and all that to kind of get re, <laughs> re-plugged in or whatever right. you call it. Um, the Navy SEAL Foundation, man, they kicked in amazing amounts of money when it was really needed for families and that was it one of it one of the cases was they could the travel the travel people at dev group are best of the best like everybody there is they're just really good they won't put up with you if you're not but i couldn't get a flight to make a funeral it was some kind of glitch they couldn't get a flight and somehow in the military bureaucracy, they couldn't pay for like a business class flight. I don't know what the rules are, but I w- I, I, it looked like I was going to miss a funeral. Navy SEAL Foundation said, book a business class flight. We'll pay for it. We'll gap it. Um, and they did it. And I was on the plane. I made the funeral. Amazing, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, there's so much in those of you who've dealt with the military, you know this, but those who haven't it's such a bureaucracy that there's all these catch-22s and hitches where it's like are you kidding me this is like an important thing but they're like well whatever mock mod blah 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 says that you can't do it that way it's like oh are we really so the foundations really stepped up to the plate um the navy seal foundation was was huge um and and um food flowing constantly like really good food Um, that place it ran 24 hours a day the talk i'm talking about at dev group so you know you're rolling out you 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 come in you're like you, you check with your keiko station to see where you needed to go and they'd be like oh there's fresh food over here here's your ticket all right let's go um so yeah i guess the great story of all of that was um just the logistics and you know it, you can't imagine trying trying to you know overcome that so we were going all around i mean, arlington was the big that was the largest piece so there was a procession and then a burial a caisson there at arlington with all of these like i say nine or ten caskets um Mm-hmm. admiral mcraven was there he was a i think he was a three-star at the time he, no four-star uh dignitaries from dc um yeah it was it was just it's unbelievable um and then then we flew all over the country um just trying to uh you know um, make funerals that were back you know like I say, Arkansas, Montana, Hawaii, people who wanted their their next of kin buried there where they were from. So it was two months of like full on, you know, not a lot of sleep, which is fine. I mean, to talk about not having any sleep makes me feel guilty already. I'm like, man, these families are suffering mm-hmm. on a tremendous level. <laughs> what am I talking I I don't have anything to complain about, but uh, yeah, it was, it was a long road, a long road of healing and a lot of counseling, a lot of talking with families. And it's, you know, as a chaplain, I got to say the challenge as a chaplain was, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, it's knowing what to say and knowing what not to say. There's, I, I, I sense that because you have family dynamics you're dealing with as well. Um, for example, one family, and not to get into specifics, one family was very religious in a, in a, in a kind of, I mean, they were very, very serious. Their, their, their son who was killed was not, right? So they wanted things to go a certain way. And their other son was not religious at all either who survived the brother of the guy who was killed and he was just a really good guy and um i, I could tell whew, i'm walking a tightrope here because i'm i've got to cross on my collar so i could feel the pressure of the family to want me to take this hardline view of their of their faith but i got you know talking to the teammates talking to uh other guys we i could i could tell that you know you got to be compassion has to go in two different directions and it it just it was really tough because the family was wanting me to take a hard line like where they were coming from and i Mm -hmm. i'm like no i i mean i I respect your faith and all that but i also got to comfort your son whose brother was just killed and your son's wishes which were not exactly aligned with yours I, I, I gotta do it all so it's kind of like this real finesse act mm-hmm. one one of the other crazy crazy things that happened we, we had to flew, uh, fly to a, uh, a funeral in the middle of Montana no Utah sorry Utah so we flew into uh, uh, the only um, it was a whole bunch of us like there were squadron guys a bunch of them it was myself, because I was the chaplain representing this one. It was, it was a service out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, we flew in to a an airfield in um in Colorado, and they had tour buses. There were two tour buses waiting, because that's how many of us there were going to support this funeral. And um, this is kind of a funnier story, to try to lighten it up a little, because there's so much heaviness going on and uh we're just talking having fun and they had like there were like six state troopers to escort they they knew they had been informed as to who we were and what was going down and the state troopers escorted this bus these two buses like from because we were going into utah from colorado and i mean they they just like had their lights on it was like my moment of rock star status. It was like, wow, this is, this is pretty crazy. But before we got to the town where, where the funeral was going to be held, it was in a dry County. Like I know this, for those of you out there, there are still dry counties in this country. I live in one. (laughs) You can't buy alcohol. Wow. You can buy it 15 minutes up the road, but you can't buy it here. So anyway, whatever. Um, the the state troopers stopped at this town, the last town before we got to the dry county. And we were like, why are we stopping? And one of the state troopers got on and said, hey, guys, um, you know, we know what you're going through. Just so you know, this is the only liquor store anywhere around where we're going because you can't get liquor. And literally, they stopped, they stopped the traffic on both sides of the street. And guys are just piling off the bus, going into this liquor store, and coming out with cases of beer and Jack Daniels and everything, just because yeah, party part of dealing with it. And um, that was the funniest thing. People were coming out of like McDonald's and they're like, everybody's filming it on their cameras, like, what is going? Who are these people? But it was like another just example of just how what an almost national. Well, it was a national crisis, right? Um, but all of the people that fed into just helping support everybody getting through this, Um, God, I've never been through anything like it. And uh, it, you know, so many stories that come out of it. So that's a lot.
0: You're dealing with, In a lot of ways, over those two months, it sounds like you're dealing with the mechanics of laying everyone to rest honorably. Yeah, Um, and that's a big part of your job. You mention, you mention, you know, their teammates that are back. Um, Obviously, another big part of your role as a chaplain is um, is the counseling part, right? And so it it would seem that initially your focus is on the family members who you're dealing with as you're making the making the notifications and the arrangements. Um, did you find that um, you were also needing to engage in the capacity of a counselor to um, to the to the folks who who remain behind the 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 operators who remain behind was, was that was that like, was it kind of okay first deal with the families and then now start to turn your attention
1: to to the operators who might need some help yeah for sure i think i think once we got past the funeral phase it, that was just kind of like it's like going into operation mode you, everybody does what they got to do to get uh-huh. through all that and they you know they compartmentalize and all that but yeah uh-huh. in the months after in the Yeah, and the time afterwards, it was a lot of heaviness back at the command, just a lot of heaviness, Um, a lot of counseling, a lot of fractures I saw. Well, not fractures, but I saw a lot of cracks in the surface of a lot of relationships come up. Um, I don't know if it was coming from a basis of fear or just the gravitas of such a huge thing. It's like, okay... Well, we've been suppressing this, but now let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I I remember my I had a uh, in my office there off of the command chaplain's office. I had like a whiteboard uh, calendar, and people could write in. I I would have my times when I was available, and it just like lit up with. Yeah. I mean, so much stuff started coming mm-hmm. out. Um. We were going to, we were doing a retreat uh, for families, uh, a couple's retreat. Well, husbands and wives, not, not kids. And the chaplains had sponsored this at the great wolf lodge there in Virginia, at a place in Virginia. And um, that was a big deal because it was a time for them to just decompress, be together. And we, we have little sessions and all of that to like help, you know talk about this talk about that get issues on the table mm-hmm. and uh everybody was looking forward to it and i, I got to look it up it was august well I, I don't know it was right around the time of the memorial <laughs> a freaking hurricane comes in
0: mm.
1: a hurricane hit town so we got we got a deal we we got to deal with a hurricane um, on top of everything else and trying to counsel these families. And it's like, are we even going to be able to get out of town? And it, this it's this was um, west of the Virginia beach area, but it, we had a, we had like haul, haul ass to get out of there, but to beat this hurricane. Then the other thing was dealing with command members like, Oh boy, there were some high level command members including the outgoing commanding officer and they, they were, they were really struggling. They right. were really struggling and they don't like to ask for help per se. Sure. Um, I get that. I get that totally. Um, well, in a, in a situation like that,
0: they're going to think they're going to think, well, it's not my place to, to barge to the head of the line of folks yeah. who need help here. Like first the families. Right of families than any of the guys that were in that troop and then you know that you know that squadron whatever like they're gonna everyone's gonna put them is gonna line themselves up appropriately if they even feel comfortable asking for help in the first place
1: yeah yeah for sure the commanding officer at the time the outgoing one it it overlapped like the time it was a crazy time because you had all these convergences it was like (laughs) You have a change of command you have a hurricane coming you have this situation with extortion 17 and so um i remember i i just try to keep checking in with the commanding officer because he he was the commodore of group two when operation red rings went down mm. years earlier and he was crushed i could tell and a good good dude i mean just really cared and I remember, I, I would pop by and just check in. That's the thing about a chaplain. You you can always just, it's an open door policy to the commanding officer and just say, Is everything okay? Do you need me to do anything? Just real quick. Like, mm-hmm. And uh, he said, Yeah, sit down. I, 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 I don't understand. He goes, "I You know, I, I've been through this with Operation Red Wings. And there was real heaviness in his when he said this to me. He goes, I've been through this with Operation Red Wings, and he goes so, and he's just like, "What do you say? Like, how did you get so unlucky to be in this situation?" He goes, "I guess I was the the chosen one to have to deal with this." I'm like, "Whoa," mm-hmm. I'm I think he almost felt cursed or something like that. It it was just you just the best guy, you know. I don't, mm-hmm. those kind of situations were the hardest for me because there are no answers, there are no explanations. Mm-hmm. Everybody's doing their, their very best, no question. And then there's these things that just descend upon us, and it's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, there's no words. So th- th- I guess that was the biggest challenge of all of it for me was I realized there are times where I just don't open my mouth because there's nothing to say. And that's frustrating because you want to provide, you're there to provide consolation. And yeah, I know I did in some measure here and there, but
0: mm-hmm. eh. <laughs> I, I mean, being someone, being a person there to listen is, is huge, you know? Um yeah. I think all of us know that there are some questions that there aren't answers to and i think if you think about the other way it could have went is you could have had some you know some random scripture memorized oh. in your holster and pulled it out and say well let's talk about you know oh, no, you no. know deuteronomy yeah. and that would have been the the maybe that's useful and sometimes but you yeah. know not useful then and just being there to listen to them and and for him to be able to say, to say the thing that anybody would think in the same position that I'm sure a lot of those people felt like, why us again? Why, why this again? And why those guys, right? Yeah. Like, um, to say it out loud, it, you know, it, if it's just living in your head, it rots you out, you know, it can rot in there. But if you say it out loud, I'm not saying that it makes it goes away, it makes it go right. away, but it can be helpful to, to tell someone so yeah i'm sure they found they did get a lot of comfort out of those interactions and for you to be doing what doing what you do best and going around and 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 uh seeking out those those moments where you could attempt to be helpful i mean yeah I mean, that's great what else could anyone ask of you
1: yeah you know it the best you just feel so helped. like i say helpless is the only word i have to say but uh you know to hear from other people both both command members as well as family members that well god had you here at the right time you know things to that effect make mm-hmm. you feel at least well you know at least i i did something at least you know yeah like you say i was a uh, shoulder to cry on an ear I'll i'll ask the question that anybody would be
0: anyone at listening to this is going to going to think or ask so how do you how have you how have you worked through your presence in that unit at that time in the nick of time right some might say um your your life leading up to that have you thought much about the we'll we'll say coincidence about you showing up there for
1: that and being there I've thought about it mm-hmm. I I I don't I don't have any words I I don't have any words for it other than that yeah it, it's pretty it's pretty trippy you know it's pretty uh if you want to say divine um yeah that I was there at that moment um yeah Kevin a friend of ours uh, has always said yeah, you could you couldn't have showed up at a better time. And and I had the good moments were like when we were on that bus headed out to um, uh, Utah, you know, one of the assaulters comes up to me and goes, you kidding me? We got a team guy chaplain. He was like high five. And it was a lighter moment. Mm-hmm. And um, like, hey, hey, Dev Group does it right. Right. <laughs> they, we were, you know, kind of just tongue in cheek in it. But it, mm-hmm. it was like he was really happy. Uh, and he boy he, that was a night he's he's like we're going out to the desert tonight to celebrate and i mean they're talking party he goes we're going to the spirit world chaps <laughs> you coming along I'm like oh boy i don't know i'm getting too old for this but we did have moments where there was some just total solidarity uh and um was just like well whatever we'll get through it um together like we do everything. And, um, and yeah, I just, yeah, as a, as a kind of concluding kind of thing, I've never seen such solidarity in my life than the coming together of all those resources. I I don't, I think, you know, I like to think that everybody could have pulled it off, but boy, oh boy, this was, this was something else to try to get through. And of course families are going to be suffering forever from this Mm -hmm. there's no ultimate you know final capstone on it it's just to see it at work and see everybody just focus on everybody else it was one time now that would that thinking about it that was the probably the highlight of it all for me is that it's one time where i didn't see a single person that i saw that was wrapped up in themselves it was it was Oh lord, how do we help families and how do we help everybody else including our brothers? Man, those guys were so torn up. I saw the toughest dudes in the world. I mean, tough dudes, assaulters, bawling their eyes out. And rightly so. But I mean, it's like, whoa. You're too tough. You know, I mean, my thought was, you're you're too tough a guy to be crying that hard. But of course, that's not the case. It was just the human emotions, mm-hmm. and and um, people that, yeah, this this group, th- this troop that went down, they had some mojo that must have been special because everybody said it. Every everybody I talked to said those are some special guys. I mean, we all all are, in the general scheme of things, but I think they've been through some stuff and they lost some guys. They just overcome a lot and we're such a capable fighting force. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I listened to some personal stories at the, at the funerals told by the two guys who survived from that troop, who one was home, for the birth of a daughter and, or a child, and then the other for surgery. And I told some stories just in their honor, um, that were, I couldn't believe it. Like they went into some hornet's nests a lot. And, um, Yeah, I think that's the last kind of thought I would say is it's just it hits you so hard because you don't expect your elite fighters to die. Why we don't expect that, I don't know, but it doesn't happen that often, like where a whole bunch of people get killed. You lose some here, you lose some there, but they're so successful night after night after night after night. They're going after bad, bad actors. And they always come home and they always do the mission. Nobody usually gets killed. And then this happens and it's just like, well, what was that? So mm-hmm. well, thank you, you know. for
0: sharing um that story. Um <clears throat> and um I think it'll be a help I think it's helpful for a lot of folks who are experience, experiencing grief what whatever way it comes. Um but we'll we'll pick up there in the next one so uh thanks again and uh, for everyone else we'll catch
1: you in the next one